Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the Endo Week of May 6th through 12th or 13th because uh, we're recording a day late today. I'm your host Colin McIsaac and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. A3 exclusive. And Ben LeMoureux. It is one in the morning and I cannot think of a witty catchphrase. <laughs> so uh, this week there was a lot of Nintendo news. Interestingly though a lot of it was kind of categorical and not so much on like hard facts and and releases and things like that so uh we'll be talking about some of those some of those categories and um of course nintendo revealed their e3 plans so we're going to talk about some of that stuff and then after the break we are going to talk about what theme park rides we would like to see universal studios launch with nintendo ip because uh, as you have probably heard by now universal and nintendo are teaming up so uh all that and more here on this week's episode so let's get right into it Nintendo held a Nintendo Direct for Splatoon uh, at the beginning of the week, and they revealed some new details. It has four retro-inspired minigames. Pre-ordering Splatoon at GameStop will get you some Inkling costumes for the Mii Gunner in Smash Bros. Uh, Splatoon has a bunch of free DLC coming up, and uh, there will be new features coming in August, like big, big new game modes, team matchmaking, um, that kind of stuff. So, did either of you guys play the Global Test Fire? I did. Um, it was my first time playing Splatoon actually because I didn't get to play it at E3 last year. Oh, really? Haven't okay. been to any events where they've had it since then. Uh, I was I was impressed. The connection was pretty good. The flow of the game was really fun. One of the first games I think I've played where the visuals actually matter since the colors define kind of your strategy. Yeah. Uh, oh, interesting note by the way. Sorry to interrupt you. Um. I realize this wasn't on our list of news to talk about, but uh, Splatoon actually also features an option for colorblind people um, in the game. It locks, it will lock the game to two colors of ink so that, you know, so that if you're colorblind and you have trouble seeing like blue and red, then you can lock it to like purple and green ink or something like that so that you have a much easier time um, discerning what's what, which is really nice and really thoughtful of them. So yeah, it's, it's an unexpected touch. And, and there's a lot of unexpected touches, I feel, uh, throughout the game uh, from... yeah from just the way the physics work to sound cues and visual cues it's it's just really a really thoughtful yeah. game there are a lot of unexpected touches but there are also a lot of unexpected absences from the game at launch <laughs> yeah like, like custom match matchmaking, matchmaking is gone yeah, yeah that I mean, was there's... a big shocker for me so for this new to <laughs> i can't talk today for this splatoon direct um we we basically what what i got from this was we are finishing the game in August, and we're giving you guys sort of a beta in May, like a soft launch almost. Yeah, that's, which it does feel that way at this point. They they got away with it because a they're Nintendo, and no one ever would expect Nintendo to do something like that. And b because they had that really fun direct, and like they you know it's 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 played off as a oh you're getting free updates kind of thing. But you know if this had happened really in any other game with any other company people would be it would be one of the biggest scandals of the year so it's this i don't know about scandal of, it seems like these kinds scandal. of things are becoming more and more commonplace yeah and i guess nintendo just isn't immune to the trends well it's it's interesting yeah. to see how much effort they're putting into marketing in this game when a lot of the features won't even be patched in until a few months later or when, as we all know, sales and advertisements don't help games. <laughs> no, they don't. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Iwata. Yeah, it, it is It is kind of weird how much they are promoting it, um, given that business philosophy of his. 
Though I think a lot of that probably has to do with that, you know, they're primarily aiming this game at kids, and so I think they want to have it out by the beginning of June so that kids who don't have school uh, can play the game all summer long, uh, really enjoy it, and then come August have a ton of new stuff to enjoy. Rather than delaying the game for the older audiences and then losing out on that big summer opportunity for the younger ones. Oh, I mean, it seems like it's their only real Wii U game for the summer. Uh, yeah. And, and spring at this point, uh, in the United States anyway. Yeah. Um, so it Unless they surprise us with a Star Fox summer launch, but... Yeah, it could happen. I don't think it will, but it could. I have a feeling it's gonna take over what would have been Zelda's spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a just a hunch. The Unless Black they announce something release. completely off the wall that I just didn't see coming. Metroid could could happen. Yeah. Interestingly, in the uh, Splatoon direct, they announced this Splatoon Global Test Fire thing. Uh, <laughs> we kind of dropped it in earlier in the podcast, but if you weren't, if you didn't know what Splatoon Global Test Fire was, it was basically a demo of the game that was available at. Uh, for one hour at a time, three times over the course of the weekend worldwide, uh, which was a really weird way to do an open beta uh, to test their to stress test their servers, because most other companies do that um, for like a whole weekend at a time. Nintendo did it for three hours. Well, if you noticed, they staggered them by about eight hours each, so it seems like they hit what would have been, I think, eight p.m. in each of their major territories. So that I mean, it makes sense from a timing perspective if you look at it that way but it is well, weird that they the way they it. scheduled it does but it, it's strange yeah. that it was it's, it was just an hour one hour chunks uh yeah. and only three of them no agreed <laughs> should have been the whole yeah. weekend at least i feel yeah but what can you do yeah so nintendo held its annual investors meeting this week uh revealing a lot of financial data and sales numbers uh, we have a lot to talk about this week so we're not going to bore you with all the data itself but their stock jumped about another seven percent after the investor report so it's a lot of good news and at the start of the year, Nintendo was worth around $14 billion, but after announcing its plans for mobile, IP licensing, and other ventures, it's nearly doubled. It's now at $25 billion. So uh, if you're interested in the specific data that was revealed in these reports, you know, like sales forecasts, sell-through rates, sales numbers for hardware and software, all that kind of stuff, you can find the exact numbers and other information at Gamnesia.com. Uh Sort of an interesting fact that I noticed when I was comparing these sales numbers is it seems like their revenues have now peaked up to about the level they were at this point in the GameCube's lifespan, which is good news because, you know, people have been saying doom and gloom about them. But if they're pulling good revenues, that's that's a good sign. However, if you look at their operating income, which is their revenues minus their costs of doing business, their operating income is about a quarter of what it Ooh. is was during the GameCube era. So... As far as popularity goes, they seem to be capable of grabbing customers uh, and getting them to spend money, but it but sounds like it's... as far as their business is going, they're not making right. nearly as much. And, and I think part of and, that is probably the hardware costs. I mean, they were losing money on 3DS and Wii U for a long time, and now they're both finally profit positive, but I imagine they're not making as just big of like uh, profit margins as they were on GameCube and Game Boy Advance. Right, and then being more expensive artificially bumps up their revenues, as do Amiibo, where they may not have as large an install base as they did before, but they're getting more money out of their install base. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Amiibo, uh, 10.5 million Amiibo have been sold world- worldwide despite uh, some sh- huge sort shortages in the U.S. Wow, I really can't talk today. Um, but uh, Iwata promises that Nintendo will fix those shortages, but he says that he can't give any sort of forecast for when they'll actually have a healthy stock. Please which, understand. 
to, uh, to me, that kind of just says like, yeah, we'll fix it one day. We don't know when, and we aren't planning on when, but we'll do it sometime. Um, the fact that they can't even give an estimate of, we hope to have Amiibo in healthy supply by November or something like that. At least the Even end of the year. if it's that yeah. vague. It just right. seems like this is the, more PR than an actual right. plan. The fact that they can't give even 2016, that says, suggests to me that they're really not thinking about it at all. I mean, he could have at least thrown us a bone like, you know, our distribution operations are so huge that it, you can't just change gears immediately. Like, that would right. be something. But he's not even saying that. He's not even trying like you were yeah. suggesting. Uh, yeah. So who knows? Well, they still have to make them by hand. <laughs> yeah, those, those Yarn Yoshi amiibo in particular. Speaking <laughs> of Yarn Yoshi, there's this adorable commercial. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll mention it in the lightning round. But there's this adorable commercial with, like, Yoshi costumes. And, oh, it was so cute. Yarn Yoshi is just my favorite thing now. I guess... I guess no one's gonna riff on me. Okay, fine. Gotta collect them all. I'll, I'll just move on to the next. I'll just move on to the next one. Um, the producer of Mario Kart is now in charge of Nintendo's mobile game development. Um, they never actually said who that was, but the safest assumption is Hideki Kono, who has been the producer of Mario Kart since Mario Kart DS, so the last four games in the series, which is a long time. The mobile teams plan to release five games by March thirty first, twenty seventeen. Nintendo's sticking to a smaller number of games um, in order to maintain like the highest possible quality for each one, and also hopefully to ensure that all five of them are big hits in the mobile market, which, as I'm sure a lot of you know, is wildly unstable. No comments? I have to say, I think this is actually all pretty good strategy. I mean, you're taking a, a proven producer who has made games that appeal to a wide audience... But he's not necessarily, you know, so important that it's it's someone that Nintendo needs to have working on, you know, their main mm -hmm. console games. You know, Mario Kart's his main thing, and you only have to do one per each console. So it's it's kind of fine to take him and move him to mobile development, and he's probably the most qualified person that you could risk, you know, taking off Absolutely. your main development. And then, you know, the the whole plan of just five mobile games by March 31st, 2017, I think that's... That's a pretty solid number to establish a presence in the market without devoting too many resources or just watering down and becoming just another, you know, mobile company. Right, and without and without plastering Mario and Link all over the mobile right. store to the point where no one cares what the games are. They just see Mario faces and kind of ignore them, uh, which happens with a lot of, I mean, I don't know how many versions of Angry Birds there are, but nobody cares <laughs> about Angry Birds anymore because there are a bazillion versions of Angry Birds. So. Right. I think Nintendo's really onto something. A lot of people I have seen criticizing this strategy, but I think you're right. It is a really good plan. Well, and if you look at, at Kono's other games, he's also worked on Nintendogs. So he's got some history with, with tapping into new audiences. So it, it may be that that's, uh, that's part of the reason they're tapping him. And, and it may be that they don't even need him for Mario Kart anymore, and the, the team that he's worked with has matured enough to handle it without his leadership. Well, we don't know that they're making any more Mario Kart content. Well, DLC I mean, in the it. short term, though. I yeah, mean, in the they, short term. Who knows if they might release a new platform by March 31st, 2017. So, uh, as a nice side note to this uh, little story, they're, they're going to use mobile games to test the waters in emerging markets like China and Brazil, who don't really have video games in the same way that we do. Um, they're super expensive. They're not very common. Um, 
Nintendo had previously planned to launch completely new consoles in these spaces, developed specifically for an emerging market strategy, so not like Wii U and 3DS, but completely new things that wouldn't come to America and Japan and Europe, etc. So this mobile strategy, though, is completely supplanting that older one, likely just because mobile is so much more accessible for wider audiences and it's significantly cheaper both for Nintendo and for the consumers in those markets. Yeah, that's the big thing is Nintendo doesn't have to foot the hardware costs. I mean, right. they, they make their money off software, not hardware. So it's already going to be difficult to launch in a brand new market like China or Brazil or you know wherever. Um, so if Nintendo not only has to be working about worrying about making games that appeal to the people, but also consoles that are within their price range and that can be easily marketed in you know another language to another culture, etc. It's just yeah, much it's easier just to develop software and yeah. let you know an already existing hardware install base do that work and for you. I'd argue more effective too. Yeah. So you know, not only are they doing something that's that takes a lot less time and energy from them, but they're doing something that's going to affect the most change anyway yeah so overall i have to say i think just about everything they've announced for their their mobile plans you know recently has sounded pretty good to me i feel like they're making good steps in that in that yeah, area me too me too absolutely well their strides toward mobile shows uh, uh willingness to do things that are globally relevant and not just uh relevant to what they see as the current console market right right Speaking of current console markets, Iwata says that 3DS has not reached its full potential yet and has plenty of room for growth. Nintendo will be looking to increase 3DS sales in the West by releasing new titles and promoting popular older ones, but in Japan, Nintendo's strategy for 2015 is to release games that better appeal to female consumers and expand their audiences that way. If you want to say full potential, I mean, 3DS just isn't going to reach the same potential that ds did even if it might have had the potential to do that at some point uh i think he's really viewing it as you know we've we're way behind ds sales so there's obviously more we can do to catch up uh the question i think is how realistic that potential meeting that potential will actually be right now i mean i think i think 3ds is in the last two-thirds or three-quarters of its final sales numbers anyway it's at about 60 million now i don't think it's going to get more than 80 million yeah it it, it probably so, peaked a couple it, years ago honestly yeah. Um, oh yeah its sales numbers have been declining for three years in a row now so right so and just with the emergence of the mobile market that i don't see 3ds having a chance to catch up anywhere near to what ds sold now yeah not not anywhere close but uh i mean there is certainly a chance that it does have room for growth especially uh i don't know much about the japanese market about about their statistics of male to female consumers so it's possible that that that's a really well, good idea i, I actually I, just, I remember them releasing uh, American, so. <laughs> some some data on this a while back and the split was about uh i think it was 70 30 for uh in japan 70 percent male owners of 3ds 30 percent female and um the week they released Animal Crossing New Leaf, though, in Japan, uh, about 55% of people who bought a 3DS that week were female. So Animal Crossing is a series that they consider to be, like, specifically marketed towards a female audience. So I don't know if this could potentially Which mean they might... Which uh, now doing Happy Home Designer and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that could be part of their strategy to expand yeah. a, a larger female audience. Yeah. I will say, I don't think they've lined up enough games for a Western release to really keep... Uh, Momentum well, going so here's from new the thing. 3DS, uh, though. We talked about this actually the first episode of Nintendo Week. Nintendo's strategy to keep the 3DS going is 
largely remaking old games mm-hmm. for 3DS. And we haven't heard anything about that strategy since they announced it. I'm willing to bet we'll see a couple of things announced at E3 um, coming out for 2015 and 2016. Um, what exactly those would be, we can only guess. But I think that's something to really keep an eye out on, especially is to not really count the 3DS totally out yet because we know that they're going to be pushing that strategy hard and we know that developing games with that strategy is significantly uh, easier and faster than developing games Mm -hmm. that are completely new. Um, Well, I think maybe part of the reason they're shifting to that strategy is because they have to devote more resources to Wii U with all the games coming out in 2015 and then also they're probably already devoting some resources towards whatever NX is so maybe they're kind of slimming down you know the, the people that they're willing to commit to 3DS games, and that's why, right. you know, you're seeing, like, remakes and ports. Right. Much and on top of that, uh, the fact that they just debuted new 3DS, and the only real significant games that take advantage of it so far are remakes, suggests to me that they weren't really ready to line up new 3DS with it, its own exclusives, and it may be that the remakes buy them some time to release a, a couple... Maybe maybe some next year, a couple exclusives to kind of pad out the 3DS's uh, end of life lineup, like the new Pushmo game. <laughs> oh, that's also not in our not in our list. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't know what those titles would be. Um, I, I want to say some kind of new maybe 3D Mario to take advantage of its extra power. I don't know something something along those lines, or maybe a mm-hmm. maybe a 3DS version of Splatoon. I don't know. I don't don't know if that's likely. Maybe Pikmin. Well, they did release a Splatoon 3DS, new 3DS uh, case or whatever uh, in Japan, I think. I think that's probably mostly just merchandising, though. I don't think they're ready to put Splatoon on 3DS yet. Maybe. So during this whole investor thing, they asked Iwata about getting rid of region locking, uh, which has been a big issue with Nintendo. A lot of people are not happy that Nintendo still region locks their stuff. And Iwata said it's unrealistic to expect that to ever happen on 3DS or Wii U, but that they are considering dropping region locking with the NX. Uh, He says he's looking at it optimistically, but that Nintendo is currently, quote, investigating internally what problems there would be in realizing it, which I don't know exactly what that means. I had a thought and lost it. (laughs) Uh, A lot of it could have to do with their, their old digital catalog, but since hackers are able to overcome region lock i don't think there's any reason why official nintendo engineers couldn't overcome that well i think what he's really more talking about is about uh profits and business stuff i don't know because i don't know that there's a good business case for that since the last nintendo console to be not region locked was the most successful nintendo device ever made and that was the ds well right but (laughs) <laughs> Nintendo hasn't really had very good business arguments for a lot of things lately. Uh, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I think it's just a relic of the way that they do things um, and that they assume, oh, this is good for our business, and then uh, they don't really care to challenge that. And then I think that has led to why 3DS and Wii U are region locked. And then I, f- I feel like a lot of what he's saying here well, is... Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo is well a pretty conservative company, so it's possible that uh, investigating internally what problems there could be could just be a matter of right, trying I don't to think overcome those... that slow-moving problem. Right. That's what I think the problem he's addressing is. I don't think he's talking about – I don't think our engineers can handle it. I think he's saying, I don't know if that's the best idea for our bottom line. I don't know if all those arguments we had before about region locking um, – 
about the conversion rates affecting affecting revenues, stuff like that that they mentioned before, which we've all said is kind of shaky logic. Um, I think that those are the kinds of things he's talking about rather than simply whether or not it's technically feasible. Yeah. So Iwata has talked a lot recently about expanding the Nintendo brand and being an entertainment company rather than a video game company, and Nintendo may be preparing to take that to the next big step. Iwata told investors that Nintendo is considering extending its licensing business to films and video content. So we've been hearing a lot of rumblings about this for a while. Um, you know, Sony trying to secure rights to a bunch of Nintendo films and Netflix supposedly making a Zelda series. But this is by far the biggest hint and the one straight from the horse's mouth that we've seen that Nintendo is interested in making its franchises more than just games, but also these really prominent multimedia franchises. I mean, it, it, it does it does definitely call to mind the, the Netflix rumors. Uh, it almost makes you wonder whether they were sort of based on the idea that Nintendo's approaching people, but maybe not based on an actual idea that's that was going forward. Maybe people at Netflix were talking about wanting to do a Zelda series. And, and approaching, it, yeah. But but it is clearly in the realm of possibility, and uh, I guess it's a matter of time uh, if they're they're really starting to take it seriously. Well, I I think that if they play their cards right, this could really really work well for them. Nintendo, I think, is second only to Disney in terms of having a really really strong lineup of IP uh, in one company. And really, the only reason that they don't beat Disney on that front is because Disney's been buying up companies like Pixar, Lucasfilm, Marvel. Um, but anyway, so I'm I'm healthily skeptical, but I'm also very optimistic that between mobile, movies, merchandising, theme parks, and all this other stuff that they're doing with their franchises, that we could really see a big emergence of Nintendo mania in this, this broader mass culture and not just in gamers. Yeah, well, I, it's especially encouraging to look at the, the recent comic book movie culture because comic books have always been this kind of small niche market. Uh, compared to movies and yet you have all these comic book properties that are just exploding they're they're exploding uh, at the box office which is uh just just goes to show that that licensing stuff out can can be more powerful than the the source material Mm -hmm. yeah i think Uh, there's a lot of big potential for this obviously nintendo you know they have to get a partner or multiple filmmaking partners that are going to do a good job that does justice to these. Yeah, exactly. That does just to this justice to these characters while also, you know, doing a good job of bringing them to the, the TV or movie theater format. Um, but I think a big problem Nintendo has with trying to expand their audience is that you're seeing a lot of kids these days. They're not, you know, playing DS, they're playing on their phone or their tablets and they're not being introduced to these characters at a young age, like Mario Which and Link and Donkey they're Kong, coming to mobile now, though. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's definitely why I think mobile is a good approach. But I also think films is another way to do that, another way to get young oh, kids interested because a huge part of Nintendo's charm is just like their characters, and you, you keep coming mm-hmm. back to Nintendo games for the nostalgia. But if you have a generation of kids that's not being introduced to these characters at a young age like we were, then they you know, won't have that nostalgia. Yeah, there's they're not right. lifelong Nintendo customers, but. Uh, in, in particular, I think a uh, Smash Bros. film, which we've discussed before, would be fantastic because that introduces you know millions of people to basically every character in Nintendo's lineup, and you know everyone's going to come away with like a different favorite from the film, 
and you know they're going to want to play those games. So I think. Well, what I could really imagine is a sort of build up to that, like mm-hmm. Marvel did over the last ten years, and then culminating in the Avengers. Right. Is doing like a Mario movie, a Zelda movie, a, a Pikmin or whatever movie, a Mother movie, which by the way would be amazing. Studio Ghibli, make it happen. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, having these sorts of things come out and then have it culminate in a Smash Bros. movie that's really like the big cinematic event of the generation, um, where all of these super popular movies converge into one, but then they also promote uh, some other like movie franchises, video game franchises that would have accompanying films. Um, but, you know, the smaller things like maybe Ice Climbers or something like that. You know? Yeah, I like that you use the term Nintendo Mania, where it's, you know, Nintendo has the chance to be this cultural phenomenon again, instead of just, you know, this gaming company that Right, because they really were know. a cultural phenomenon right. in uh, the late 80s, mm-hmm. and it really, it really died down. Um, you know, it's, once Sega hit, then Nintendo has just been sort of shrinking and shrinking ever since, in culture anyway. Yeah, they have been shrinking. Uh, and it's not just the characters, too. I think it's it's their game universes have kind of fallen out of uh, the public consciousness. And, and that's something that kind of gets overlooked mm-hmm. when people talk about uh, licensing, is they tend to focus on characters when in reality... Uh, you know, it's not just Marvel characters that are having a resurgence. It's the Marvel universe that's having a resurgence. Right. Uh, and especially since Nintendo comes from a, a video game background uh, where the game universe is is paramount to the experience. It's, it's very important uh, to how people experience the IP. Uh, it, it has to be more about more than just characters. And uh, Nintendo has to be feeding into it more than just their characters. Yeah, you bring up Marvel, and like, you know, early on, they had some big hits because they used really well-known characters like Iron Man with these big charismatic personalities, and they had brand recognition, but then after they built up just the whole, you know, you go to the theater to see Marvel movies thing, after they got the hype going for Marvel, then now they can just throw out any character, even lesser-known ones, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is something that barely, yeah, Ant-Man, but Guardians of the Galaxy was like, you know, the big hit of the year, and that's, that's an IP that almost no one's ever heard of. And now we've got right. Ant-Man coming out and Doctor Strange and things like that. And with Nintendo, it could be the same kind of deal where if you can build up this Nintendo film brand, then you can start bringing popularity to some of these lesser-known uh, Nintendo characters just because people will want to see the films or buy the games because that Nintendo brand has its, its, its worth back. It's got that you know Nintendo mania again from the 80s. So Nintendo announced their E3 plans uh, this morning, which I guess will be yesterday morning for you guys, as is Nintendo Week tradition, getting the days wrong. Um, so their E3 digital event, which is basically their their super long Nintendo Direct, will be on June 16th. That's a Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, so that's um, noon Eastern time. And the Nintendo Treehouse team will once again be streaming live from the show floor all throughout E3. So it's basically, in that sense, uh, just like last year. After E3, Best Buy will be demoing Mario Maker at select locations on Wednesday, June 17th from 4 to 9 p.m. and on Saturday, June 20th from noon to 5. Also in these announcements for uh, E3 plans, they revealed that they were going to revive the Nintendo World Championships, a big event in 1990, coming back now for 2015. Uh, They're bringing it back for the first time in 25 years on June 14th, that's that Sunday. Preliminary competitions begin on May 30th and more information will be revealed at a later date. We'll keep you up to date on Nintendo Week, but uh, given that it's already halfway through May and uh, you'll likely want to 
do this as soon as it comes out. Keep an eye on Gamnesia.com for uh, when that information surfaces. They also said that they will not be talking about their mobile plans or the NX at E3. It's all going to be about the 3DS and Wii U. So don't get your hopes up for any kind of surprise things. I'm not sure how I feel about this Nintendo World Championships thing because on the one hand, Nintendo World Championships made sense in 1990 when Nintendo Mania was in full force. and When Nintendo was video games. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's not the case anymore. And in fact, the whole competition angle that they're they're going with it it, it's it's something they've been dramatically overshadowed in by a bunch of other companies blizzard with heroes of the storm and all their other games uh league of legends uh and outside the moba scene you know esports exploding uh in all kinds of genres and nintendo's kind of late to the game uh and and it seems like this sort of throwback effort is is not quite as in touch as they would like it to be of course we don't know what games they're going to be showing and we don't know how the structure is going to be uh if it's going to compare really compare directly to the 90 1990 thing in the first place outside of uh in in, in name but... well you mentioned games i have a feeling it's going to be splatoon smash bros mario kart and maybe mario maker basically they're three core uh franchises that can be played competitively and then mario maker for some sort of platforming challenge I've heard an interesting theory that, uh, so some background for people who don't know. So Nintendo World Championships, the idea is loosely based on a the plot of the movie The Wizard, in which the main character basically participates in a Nintendo competition. And that was the movie in which Super Mario Bros. 3 was revealed to United States audiences. And some people are speculating that they might pull a similar twist where a completely... Super Mario Bros. 4... <laughs> Well, that's actually Super Mario World in Japan, oh, come but, on. <laughs> but 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 you're on the right track. Like they, there's some people are speculating that they'll reveal some new game as part of the finals of the World Championships. Uh, that's not a bad theory. I, I like it. Uh, I, I personally would lean towards Super Mario Galaxy three. You know, for the parallels uh, with the numbers. Also, because Mario Galaxy three is happening. It's gotta happen. This before. Oh, and and they also <laughs> people also pointed out that a lot of the music used in the video was was uh, from Mario Galaxy. Uh, some of it was 3D mm-hmm. World versions of Mario Galaxy music, but I mean, close enough. And then just one day after the teaser, everyone was shown they were not revealing Punch Out. Yeah, yeah, I was a little. They sad might about be. That. I I still think that Next Level is working on Punch Out Wii U, and maybe um, that shows up at Nintendo World Championships. Right. I don't think that's what they were teasing with the whole Reggie and Little Max outfit thing. But still, uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Also, predictions. I don't know if you guys saw this, but, you know, during the uh, the E3 reveal video, they did a joke where Reggie fires Bill Trinan, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Trinan actually, like an hour before that video aired, posted on his Twitter account as he put, like, formerly worked at Nintendo... And then he just posted a tweet that said, well, uh, like, it couldn't last forever or something like that. And he accidentally said it an hour before the video aired. <laughs> instead of yeah, so people were, like, legitimately freaking out. Um, some people, oh, called, the, some people called the bluff. They knew it was part of the joke, but... Mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he also <laughs> said really in his funny. status, I think he said something like, we'll translate for food. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he later updated it saying, oh, no, I still work at Nintendo, but I will still translate for food. <laughs> well anyway um so with that we're on to the lightning round there is a ton of stuff this week so buckle up 
On May 16th, Splatoon will demo at GameStop from noon to 3. Nintendo's new membership program, which launches this fall, will have an improved version of Club Nintendo's loyalty program. Iwata reconfirmed that there are more unannounced Wii U games launching within the next year, so that's by uh, the end of April 2016. The Pokemon Company generated over $2 billion of revenue in 2014. GameStop is giving away a special Dragonite this summer, so if you are a 3DS Pokemon player, check that out at Gamnesia.com. We've got a ton of new footage of Splatoon's weapons. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem will come out in Japan in winter. That's currently the plan. Disney Infinity 3.0 features Star Wars characters and more, so the roster was revealed. You can check that out at Gamnesia.com. Smash Bros. players raised $4,000 for Nepal earthquake victims relief. So really, really good stuff. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate has shipped 3.4 million units worldwide. Monster Hunter Stories launches in quarter 1, 2016, and Capcom is predicting massive sales. Mario, Luigi, Peach Amiibo, and more unlock costumes in Yoshi's Woolly World. We talked about that a little bit before. Um, you can also check out the adorable commercial at Gamnesia.com. Xenoblade Chronicles X launched at number 3 in Japan. Its first week sales were higher than the of the original. Splatoon jumped to the number 1 spot for Wii U games on Amazon after the Direct and the demo came out. Did You Know Gaming released a video on little-known facts about the Wii's development, so you can check that out if you're interested. Intelligent Systems is rumored to be making a Paper Mario game for Wii U. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but there's a little bit more concrete of a thing. And I say a little bit because it's still super not concrete. LEGO Dimensions is getting playsets based on Doctor Who, Portal, The Simpsons, and Back to the Future. Ukulele has passed its last stretch goal, so it's officially getting a live recorded orchestral soundtrack. The next stretch goal is free DLC for all backers. Also, we forgot to talk about this earlier, but they revealed the first supporting character for Ukulele, a tr snake called Trousers. <laughs> and he wears a pair of pants and his leg, his tail coils back up into the other leg of the pants. And it's adorable. And it's exactly what we were talking about, about putting humanizing elements on these things. Um, it's a very banjo character. Oh, absolutely. He's already my favorite character in Ukulele, and we only have three characters. <laughs> Prototype Amiibo are surfacing on eBay, so unfinished paint jobs, uh, slightly off models. You can check those out. Really cool stuff. If you're a super collector and you really want to see some of this stuff, absolutely your kind of thing. Some GameStop locations have restocked Martha Amiibo. Some haven't. Some are getting them in small quantities. So the restock is rolling out, but it's not looking super well stocked. Game Freak reveals how they create Mega Evolutions. They've said some stuff on this in the past. They've said more now. You can check that out. Club Nintendo has slashed the prices of their physical rewards. Huge discounts. Uh, you can pay a lot less coins for the same kind of stuff. It's good if you like Club Nintendo. Nintendo took 19 of the 20 top spots on the Japanese software sales charts this week. So they're really dominating this week. Uh, Dragon Quest VIII was announced for 3DS in Japan. It's a remake of the game originally on PlayStation 2, similar to how Dragon Quest VII was remade for 3DS a little while ago. There are no plans to bring either to the West, still. Come on, Square. Yoshi's Woolly World will have over 50 levels. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that. That seems like a pretty appropriate number for a platformer to me. It's a little less than what we see out of most Mario games, but it's not, like, a small number. Yeah, yeah. Nintendo of Europe has announced release dates for the next wave of amiibo uh in europe of course so if you're a european listener go ahead and check that out all right guys so that is all of the nintendo news for this week but after the break we are going to talk about one major story that we uh hinted about earlier nintendo and universal are working together on theme park rides our thoughts on what we want to see after the break
Hello, everybody. We are back with more Nintendo Week. I am your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Yo. And Ben LeMoreau. It is now almost two in the morning, and I still have no witty things to say. <laughs> so, Nintendo has announced that they are teaming up with Universal Studios to create theme park attractions based on Nintendo characters and games. Iwata says that there have been many requests from companies looking to build Nintendo theme park attractions, but plans were never drawn up. However, when Iwata met with Universal, he was surprised by the extremely detailed plans they had for their attractions. When he returned to Japan, he immediately met with Miyamoto to talk it over, and since then, Universal's attraction engineers have been meeting with veteran Nintendo producers regularly to design these attractions. So, we thought it would be fun to talk about what kinds of rides we hope to see at Universal, featuring Nintendo characters. So who wants to start off? So this probably wouldn't be the most, like, uh, adrenaline-pumping, like, thrill ride, but it would just be, you know, a nostalgia-fueled experience. Why not make Pokemon Snap, like, for real, though? You win. You, <laughs> discussion over. The end. <laughs> just, like, ride wow. around through various different, like, uh, environments. That's such a good idea. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. Like a Disneyland-style sort of thing. Right, right. Well, Except really for with an idea. interactive element to it. Yeah, exactly. Like have little, I don't know, Wii U gamepads you can like snap pictures with. <laughs> Speaking of which, why no Pokemon Snap 2? Oh my god. Anyway, that's a discussion for another time. That is a discussion well, for all times. If we're gonna go for um if we're gonna go for non-adrenaline pumping things, I think a good ride would be a bumper cars ride of Baby Park. And you'd have two people in each car because of double dash, you know. And uh, just ride around in bumper cars. Question. Fun. Can I throw yeah. turtle shells at people on this ride? No, but we will get to that later. I have another idea. Um, yeah, but yeah, just your average bumper cart ride. That's what they could do to make uh, their bumper cars at Universal. I don't know why you're calling Baby Park anything but adrenaline pumping, Colin. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. 200 cc. Too much. Well, because we wouldn't have shells in the bumper car version. See, so. no more. Adrenaline. Here's where I think I think your 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 vision is is a little uh, little too tame. I think they could do it. I think they could have an AR overlay. Where I you... told you, I told you, I'm getting to that. <sighs> it's a different attraction. Fine, patience, Alex. Fine. <laughs> One thing I realized why it's important to have, I think, a bumper car ride that's you know tame is just because you're going to have little kids. You want little kids uh, going. It's it's like a younger people's ride, essentially, where a bunch of, you know, adults will get on it because it's Baby Park and they love Mario Kart, but also a bunch of, like, little kids will go to that attraction because they like that attraction itself. Oh, I, I do agree with your idea for a tamer ride for kids. It's it's just funny to me that you're mentioning Baby Park oh, as yeah, the yeah. subdued ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, which is, it's, it's, it's fu so funny because Baby Park is, like, so not subdued in Mario Kart, yeah. but in... You know, the theme of Baby Park in Mario Kart is that it's the tamest thing in the world. It's right. just a loop. Right. And it's called Baby Park. Right, right. No, anyway. no, definitely. Um, as far as m my most wanted attractions, they're actually not necessarily rides. They're more about th sort of themed lands, kind of like the, the Harry Potter uh, uh -huh. areas, where you don't necessarily have a ride for every property but for example you could right. have hyrule castle and you can explore it and yeah. there are restaurants and and that'd be pretty cool that would be awesome i can imagine like a little kokiri tavern and like a goron rocks restaurant 
where they just serve rocks. rocks? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it follows on from what I was saying earlier about how it's not just about the characters and about the the things that you're doing. It's about the game right. versus two. And right. since this is a physical space we're talking about, it would be a great way to kind of see the Nintendo worlds come to life and not just uh, Nintendo gameplay elements or gameplay or game characters. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important uh, aspect of this. The next idea I had, to me, just, like, jumped out at me as a super obvious one. Uh, a Donkey Kong Country minecart ride. Oh, I had that one, too! Dude, high five. Woo! Awesome. Um, yeah, that would be so much fun. So, so cool. I'm not quite um, sure how they'd handle, like, the jumps where you, you know, switch tracks, but... Uh, the engineers will think of something. You would just, you'd sign a waiver <laughs> when you enter Universal. I am not responsible if I don't leave this park. See, all they have to do is just put, like, a bunch of floating barrels underneath <laughs> it, and it's, it's good to go. But yeah, a minecart ride would be so fu- so fun. You know, fit two people in a car at a time. Um, yeah, I think that would be really, really cool. Just remember to bring I some don't really extra have life much... balloons. <laughs> I don't really have much else to say about how it could work, because I feel like that's a ride that so easily translates into a ride right. i think it, it'd be, be more like about what's going stuff. it'd be more about what's, what's going, going on, on around yeah. you yeah yeah maybe there has to be um, like a, a, some caves thrown in there and maybe a yeah. waterfall or two yeah right right yeah probably um, more based on like the tropical freeze kind of minecart stuff and not the original because the original is mostly in donkey kong country it was like kremlings coming in minecarts that you had to jump away from so that would get pretty dangerous uh, and not only that but the <laughs> settings are kind of bland uh whereas the series right. evolved more uh, by the wii and wii U right games. right sawmill thrill what a good level oh yeah no kidding so my second thing which is as i promised you alex i'm getting to this rainbow road ah okay but instead of being a sort of roller coaster or anything like that it's essentially a it's kind of like a go-kart track but each of the carts is set on a predetermined path now the interesting thing is it would be mechanized so say one car takes tighter turns and gets places faster but there are different parts throughout the course where each like different cart would have its strengths or advantages based just on the 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 pathway that it's predetermined to go um based on where you know the the rods and everything are that hold it into place and all the conveyors um but each time you do it there, there would be 12 different programs and each one would have a different car as the winner of the race and so each time you go into the rainbow road ride you get in a car not knowing if you're going to win the race or not or like what place you're going to come in so it would introduce this really interesting like competitive element to riding a roller coaster where i mean it's completely out of your control who wins and who doesn't but you're still really involved and really wanting to beat everyone else and so every time you're like going in the car and hoping like oh maybe like there's a surprise twist at the end and stuff and that's where you can put in these sort of AR overlays of shells and stuff where you really feel like you're on Rainbow Road, like things are colliding into you and you're bumping around and crashing around. Unfortunately, you wouldn't be able to fall off, but it, they could do something sort of like Disney's Space Mountain where it really, you know, it's enclosed and all dark and it really feels like you're miles high. So they could do something really, really fun with that. Super chaotic, super, super cool to make it really feel like you're driving on Rainbow Road for real which I think would be an awesome attraction. It's not exactly a roller coaster, not exactly go-karts, not exactly anything really, but really just like a real-life version of playing Mario Kart. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's also totally feasible from a mechanical standpoint too, which is really exciting to me. Yeah, and it'd be a good opportunity to have tie-ins to like Mario Galaxy and other things that might not 
yeah might not be easy, so easy to make attractions out of but but are important and relevant captain and toad <laughs> yeah, captain toad could be a thing hunt for some jewels yeah i could actually imagine a captain toad sort of fun house you know how some theme parks have like fun houses where it's sort of like a puzzle getting out of the place mm-hmm. i could imagine something like that for captain toad it wouldn't be their all-star attraction, but it would be fun-ish. It'd be one it, of those was those other attractions for younger audiences. Yeah, um, and me. One thing that <laughs> and 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 man children. Um, <laughs> one thing that I'd like to see is a Star Fox sort of pods thing where you get in an enclosed mm-hmm. uh, R-wing cockpit and you you sort of you can either team up with or maybe battle against uh, other pilots as well for a session and you know the pod would would tilt and and spin around and all these other things uh Mm -hmm. to match the the movements of your craft that would be Uh, cool it'd be a good because we've seen space rides at at places like epcot uh where they've used the motion to sort of simulate the the movement and this would be a good interactive version of that where you're you're actually doing yeah. something and you're actually con- controlling the movement. I could also see a great like way to open that where everyone's in the cockpit from like Star Fox 64 and and you hear Sergeant Pepper go <laughs> and everyone's like <laughs> yeah and then you Yeah, it'd be it'd be a mission that that the riders are embarking upon. I think that'd be really fun. Good choice. Yeah. So, Alex, you mentioned um, instead of a ride, just having like a a building you could walk through and just like explore a Nintendo environment. And Colin, you mentioned AR, so I'm just gonna go ahead and yoink those two ideas and throw them together. <laughs> and like, I think it would be cool to have like a interactive like Luigi's Mansion thing where you go through like a haunted Ooh. mansion and like track down ghosts using like AR goggles that like let you see the ghosts. Oh, that's such a good idea. I was trying to think of how a Luigi's Mansion attraction could work, and I ultimately just settled, like, it's, it would be too hard. Like, that's, it's not going to happen. But you're right. That could totally happen, and that would be awesome, and I really want to do it because I love Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> and it would be so cool to walk around in real life. Oh, man, good choice. See, Nintendo should have hired us instead of Universal. Come on. <laughs> right? We have all the experience. Jeez. So my next thing is I feel like, Way too obvious for no one to have ever said it, but I have not seen anyone ever say it. An obstacle course that's just a recreation of World 1-1 from Super Mario Bros. Nice. Where they have all the the pitfalls and all the Goombas and Koopas and everything, all the breakable blocks. But basically, there's sort of like one balance beam that you stand and run on. That's like the main platform. And if you fall down in the pitfalls... You die. At, well, <laughs> well, everywhere else is just really well cushioned so that, like, if you fall, you don't hit your head on the balance beam and, like, you know, risk, like, super hard injury. You, like, bounce sort of against the cushion and fall safely to, like, the ground. But still recreating that first level so, you you know, you can actually run and jump on Goombas and break blocks and, like, go down warp pipes and stuff. Recreating that so that, that you can live out Super Mario Bros. I think is a cool idea. It's also it's also a sort of attraction that is again not really similar at all to anything at any other theme parks. It's really its own thing based on bringing the experience of a game into a sort of first person perspective. Like, what if you were Mario in World One One? Like, what would that look like? And, and I don't think very many game environments have as much like brand recognition as World One One of Mario. Oh yeah, I feel like that attraction alone could could really bring in a whole ton of people. You know, just to say. I'm going to play a real-life version of Mario. Like, yeah. how insane is that? Yeah. 
that. I have a, this one isn't nearly as thought out, but just if they just wanted to do like a super intense, fast roller coaster that's just kind of like the, the thrill ride thing, obviously F-Zero would be the thing you'd want to skin yeah. that with. Oh, absolutely. And I would think absolutely. instead of uh, just having it be a fast roller coaster, you know, have it be like a race thing where there's, you know, maybe multiple carts going on different tracks and different ones yeah. will win at different times. So you can, yeah, you know, super compete cool. with your friends in the line, you know, which, you know, which line are you going to get uh, behind? And, you know, I, I think it'd be just a... And they could also do a lot of really adrenaline pumping stuff with like the speaker systems and that right. kind of thing. Because, you know, they're... The sound in F-Zero is so intense, and if they're blasting that kind of music at you, like, during this ride, oh my god, living that in real life would be so insane. Mm -hmm. And I can I can also imagine the announcer from, like, F-Zero GX, you've got boost power, like, right <laughs> as it speeds up really fast, and <laughs> that could be so much fun. Uh, one that I could see, uh, I wonder how they would pull it off, but it'd be interesting, is a Splatoon paintball area, where you're just shooting goo at each other. I mean, parents might be a little wary of it. Yeah, but uh, they could maybe have like know, shower stations. Maybe the, at the end. go swimming in Delphino right. Well, Plaza. I, I'm thinking of like Nickel, old Nickelodeon shows where they would all get slimed at some point, <laughs> and you know that was popular. You got so splatooned. You, now you have people <laughs> doing it to each other, and I don't know. I, especially since Splatoon is fresh and new, and uh, something that's targeted at kids. Yeah. And uh, it should be a, and it's a, a sporty sort of thing, which is not something you get a lot of out of Nintendo yeah, games absolutely. That aren't, like racing games. So it'd be a good uh, change of pace as far as attractions go, because most attractions are, are sort of based on you looking at things. But this would be interactive. Yeah, I think that could be super fun. The the one thing I'm concerned about for that, as far as implementing it goes, is how much ink they would have to use. Because if yeah, people are that, be that costly. would yeah. And Splatoon has a lot of ink in that game, and so bringing that into real yeah. life, uh, yeah, it it may the expenses may not be able to justify the attraction itself. But yeah, we'll I mean, see, certainly you won't be painting the whole arena right, or anything. Right. Maybe you won't. <laughs> so the final thing that I had written down: Do you guys know that Buzz Lightyear ride at Disney, where you're in that little cart and you're shooting at different targets based on yeah. Zerg and aliens? I, and I was stuff? I was on it the last time I was there, so I totally know what you're talking about. It's it's pretty tame. I'm thinking a more intense version of that, skinned after Kid Icarus Uprising. Oh, nice. Where you're zooming around in that car, you're shooting at stuff all over, trying to get, like, the most amount of points, but as that's happening, stuff's going on, like, Medusa's rising up, and Dark Pit flies in from somewhere, like, yelling at you, like, making fun of you in the car, and then you have to go, like, shoot Dark Pit and stuff, and it's, the speakers come in, you know playing all sorts of different themes and having like these characters banter with each other and all this kind of fun stuff that really feels like reliving a scene from Kid Icarus Uprising, I think could work super, super well in that framework of that kind of ride that's already been established as a specific type of theme park attraction. And then here they could just up the ante and uh, make it Kid Icarus. As long as it has better controls than Kid Icarus Uprising. <laughs> I thought Kid Icarus Uprising controlled fine. Oh, Ben. But... Well, you're dumb. All right. Can't argue with that. <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, one thing I hope they don't do is I hope they don't do a bunch of gratuitous 3D rides where you are looking at things jumping out at you. Um, and I say that because the whole 3D venture has not been... has, has not proven to be a very good idea for them. I don't know that they're really plus, focused on I'd, 3D anymore. I mean, when's the last time you heard them well, advertise 
you should buy the 3DS because of 3DS. Really just with the new 3DS, but even that I'm was not kind of talking about yeah. the 3DS, though. I'm I'm talking about other Universal attractions that have used 3D in the past. Oh. And Nintendo could see this as a new opportunity to push some kind of 3D. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I feel like Universal is but... over that, and Nintendo's definitely over that. Um... I hope so, but... But Nintendo's surprised me before with their dedication to pushing out. Nintendo has surprised me before with Nintendo's dedication to weird, stupid ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now they've been they've been pushing 3D for decades. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that's true. I'm hesitant to believe that they're stepping away from yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Do any of you guys have any final thoughts on some good Nintendo theme park rides? I think I got everything uh, out that I needed to say. All right. Yeah, I think if we give them too many ideas, they will take forever. Actually, <laughs> All right, well, fair enough. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you have good things to say. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. If you have questions or feedback for Nintendo Week, you can send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at Gamnesia.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope that you have another great week. And to think there are still people who who don't think Nintendo's Nintendo understands the the right stuff. That sentence didn't mean anything. <laughs>